0: For context and accuracy during times in the following episode, it should be noted that it was recorded on August 26, 2021. It's Jennifer Diane Gostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. You may have wondered what reunion looks like from an adoptee's point of view, or be embarking upon taking that journey yourself to search for your first family or simply want confirmation that you are not alone in your experience, wherever you are on the path of healing and pushing through a trauma? Wouldn't it be empowering to have many of your burning questions answered here? New Year's Eve and New Year's Day are two of my favorite times of the year. I hope you enjoy both, and I wish you a healthy and prosperous 2022. I met my next guest in 2018 while I visited San Francisco, California, one of my favorite places in the world. Little did we know that we would form a bond this year that likely has a lot to do with how our brains are wired in a similar way. By that I mean, when she asks a question or makes a comment, it deeply resonates with me. I think. Yes, I was just thinking of that, in the same way, or I have that question, too. We joke about it because we wouldn't wish that on anyone, but we own it. Her name is Tina, and we can bounce ideas off each other for long stretches of time, and I always look forward to that. It's important for me to mention that it was no small task for her to say yes to this conversation. Like me, she is a true introvert, which has nothing to do with being shy, but rather a way of being in the world where we typically prefer listening and observing others intently over talking or sharing when in public spaces. In this episode, she stepped out of her normal zone, and for that I'm honored to have the opportunity to share our conversation with you. Tina has the natural ability to articulate many topics within the adoption experience, often not discussed in the community. She has done a great deal of reflection over the years that has allowed her to process the many layers involved with adoption. Allow me to introduce you to someone I find able to write in a beautiful way that touches my spirit. I sit with her words long after I've heard them. Tina is one of the most introspective people I know and helps me more than she may fully understand to better get a hold on the bigness of being separated from my family of origin. Tina. Tina, I want to welcome you to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. How are you doing today?
1: Hi, Jennifer. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. I think it would be really cool if we start off with at least one of your points. Okay.
1: This is called Reflection, and I think it speaks to the conversation of why adoptees search. You may take for granted the simple image in the mirror. Oh, you're trying to find your birth family, an implicating tone. What's missing? Why? Who? Where? Innocent curiosity, assumption, you are searching. Something must be missing. How could you? You, like a leaning fence in a storm, swaying, held up by the strength beside them. I am blessed beyond what I can dream. So my response is, I am looking in the mirror, and there is no reflection, and I am brave enough to ask why.
0: I like that. I I like that, yes. Reflections.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that is that thread that we hold if we don't have that mirror in our lives. And I always feel that disclaimer. Doesn't mean I wasn't loved. Doesn't mean I wasn't cared for. But there's an absence of other parts and pieces.
0: So much so. I would like to start with you sharing a part of your story, wherever
1: you want to start. Okay. Okay, so I haven't done this before, really, I mean, in this type of environment. So I appreciate you, Jennifer, for allowing that to happen. And at the same time, I'm trusting you with my story. So so I just appreciate that.
0: And and I I, I appreciate yes. that as well. Um, mm-hmm. It is emotional labor, each and mm-hmm. every time we share our stories. And it's not an easy thing to do to be public. And right. yeah, and, and open. So I Philip, it's a privilege for you to have said
1: yes. Mm. Well, thank you for that. Well, I think we've mentioned before that our we have some similarities. So I was born in 1967 in San Francisco and the first two years of my life has been kind of information that I've gathered I guess over the years actually so I was with my biological mother who was 19 for some amount of time and then I was in foster care for almost a year and then I was adopted by my into my family that I was raised in when I was two, and I think the adoption was finalized about two and a half, almost three. So those timeline of events are um, not super accurate. I just have bits and pieces. So I'm actually trying to to find more about that now. At I'm 54 now. So I was raised in a family in outside of San Francisco on the peninsula, the Bay Area. The youngest of five. So I had three older siblings that were biological to my parents. And then I had a sister that was two years older than me that was also adopted, but we are not related to each other biologically. So there was five kids total. Um, I was the youngest in that. And however we are who we become, um, birth order, nature, nurture, all those things. I didn't look like anyone in my family. I'm I'm Mexican descent, Spanish, Portuguese. My family was white. My mother had German, and my uh, father was Italian. So I'm more, I guess, comfortable in that extended family setting with whatever you would think of a Italian family. They were both large families. I think there was 11 on my dad's side and 8 on my mom's side. So lots of cousins, and I was... The youngest in that, and probably, I think in some ways, I think I don't know. I don't want to say the quietest, but you know, when everybody's around and they're loud, um, you have to be either on that same page or louder. And <laughs> right. so, I think it contributed to me <laughs> being who I am. That being the youngest of five, by the time decisions needed to be made, they were made by the time they got to me. I was just along for the ride of where we were going, what we were doing. Um, But that being said, I had, I mean, just like a typical upbringing. We lived in a neighborhood that had lots of kids. I had freedom to be outside to play, just walking to school or taking the bus. We moved, I think before, let's see, before I was in fifth grade. So I changed schools. We moved uh, to the town, the town close, closest to us, the next town over. So I really was raised in the same place until my dad retired and we moved uh, to where we live now. And since that time, both of my parents have passed. So my my dad died about ten years ago, and my mom has been about three. So when I moved out of the house, I was the last one, the last child at home. I was the youngest, and I literally moved from my parents' house to getting married and, and living with my husband and raising our family. Mm-hmm. So we have four children, uh, the youngest just graduated college and the oldest will be 30. We have three boys and one girl. And we just celebrated our 31st wedding anniversary on our youngest son's birthday. He was born on the same day. So we created the word Ripsory, or I just did this year, because I wanted to get a cake and write something on it. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. So in that, I went with everything that I've been reading since, gosh, doing DNA four years ago, my husband has been, I mean, I probably can't talk about him without crying, because he's just an amazing person, and also just such a supporter of really, when you say yes, you know, 31 years ago, I don't know that he knew, (laughs) we knew all that you say yes to. And so I just, I can't say enough. And I think I can give an example in that when I was doing my DNA testing and, and getting some of those results and those connections, he was building a family tree for me, spending hours and hours doing research and Uh, He had worked with a search angel that kind of got us started. In California, there's a birth index. And so that helped me get my biological father's name and just really give us some information to to use to keep going. It's really, honestly, one thing leads to another. And I just can't even believe the things that he was able to bring to me and say, here's a picture and this is how this person is connected to you. As I'm reading books and listening to podcasts, I think I dove into, I found Adoptees on at that time, and I think she had already been recording for a year, and I went back to the beginning and just binged to listen to all those because my mind was just racing with this life that I knew and what I was told and what I understood to be my truth, which I think a lot of people will tell you within the community of adoptees, you know, our life doesn't start the day we were adopted. There's this whole other time and space and family that existed prior. So me really coming to grips with what that meant for me and for my family has been, I would say, a lifelong um, quest in some ways for me understanding and taking in information as a child. And as I got older, becoming a mother, what I could find out for my children so that they could have a medical history and background. And biological connections that just because there was a severing at adoption and a creating a new family i didn't agree to it my children didn't agree to it you know there's this whole other conversation that i think now that we're having that you've allowed with podcasts and your uh, audio drama that it can look differently these conversations can be had and held Differently, respectfully, and everyone can be loved in that. I don't want to get off my get off the track, but I think for me, it's this recalibrating of coming back to what I believe and where my faith is, and where I'm grounded. Because it really is this unraveling and this um, simultaneous beginning. I think really every day as adoptees, because. Things that we're told and the way things are lived out don't make sense. I didn't look like anyone in my family, but they were my family. I love them. I respect my parents. They've instilled in me what I have brought forward into my marriage with our children. They were married for 62 years when my dad died. So the example of how to live as a parent is such a responsibility And I take that to heart of there's no accident. So however my life has played out now until this moment, having a conversation with you, it's not by accident. It's not by coincidence. I believe that our lives are not about us many times. yeah, It doesn't make sense. But I think to me, that's normal. If it doesn't make sense, it's probably right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we've talked before about
0: perhaps our wiring is very similar (laughs) because you've said so much in this time so far and I I want to kind of go back a little bit okay okay (laughs) and 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 I want to I first want to just give like a standing ovation to your husband for what he did because i felt that it makes you emotional when you think about uh-huh. what he did for you for for all of you for the family um, uh-huh. and i and my question is did he know how impactful that would be to you just knowing you what was uh-huh. it that you think
1: really made him do that mm. so my husband is one of two children he has a brother that he was raised with that was adopted so Mm. however we (laughs) pick the people we pick i i do i have wondered you know was there something familiar about me that was also in his relationship with his brother because we're it's just crazy to me so i don't know that he really i don't know that neither one of us knew His research and what that would bring and mean, because over and over again, I would have to ask him, remind me again who this person is and how are we connected?
0: And it's embarrassing, right? Like,
1: this is your aunt. aunt." And it's like, I had to really, he had to school me on on who my family was, which even saying that out loud as an adoptee, it's embarrassing.
0: I think I would be the same way, though. I think I'd be like, tell me again. Yeah, right.
1: And I would tell him, I'm so sorry, you're going to have to tell me this again, probably tomorrow or next week. Right. And I would go off like he was on one side of the room and I would go off and I was reading, you know, everybody that has written a memoir or anthology that they cont- contributed to was so valuable to me because it's that, you know, you're not alone and speaking your language and it's okay. It's Okay. So, and even downloading some of them to my Kindle, which you were a part of that, is that there was even times I couldn't read, I just couldn't focus enough so that to have someone read it to me or have it, you know, like on an audio, so I could still have that was so important at that time. And it still is, I'm still reading, I'm still reaching out for asking myself, what do I need? You know, what do I feel that I, I need this week? Or? Um, this month, what's going on. And I do the same thing. Yes.
0: And I just want to tell the listeners this real quick. It would be 2018 that our paths would cross in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So I went there to spend some time with some adoptees. Anne Heffron was doing write or die uh, writing class. And I knew Mm -hmm. Haley was going to be there. Like I just said, oh, this will be great. I love San Francisco Mm -hmm. anyway. So our paths cross... And I'm not really paying that close attention either because it's uh-huh. you know so much going on, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, just yeah. taking in so much and trying to remember. And we're sitting in a restaurant. And it, I, to me, it just went so fast. It wasn't long uh-huh. enough to really spend with everybody. So fast forward, I get home. I get an email from you. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> and, and I do remember your face. Like, I remember you being there. And... And so we I think we exchanged a couple of emails uh-huh. and then fast forward I do the yeah. N A A P happy hour and you're on there and you say that we met in San Francisco <laughs> and, and I'm and I'm oh, looking God. at you and I'm, I'm you know Tina and then it just clicks. I'm like, yes, I remember it. and <laughs> I, I remember you emailing me. So when you said earlier in this conversation that all the things um and i call it coinciding with one uh-huh. another like yeah uh-huh. brings us to where we are right now in this conversation it is yes. not by happenstance it has yes. so much purpose and we don't even know like the the bigness of it days yeah. weeks years from now. So I pre like mm-hmm. we're
1: wired. Our brains are so wired like that. I know. I feel like I. I that's so awesome to me. But at the same time, I feel like I'm so sorry. That's how it is for you too. <laughs> it little, little can vice be versa. overwhelming. Yeah, yes, yeah. it can be so overwhelming. But I um, too so ask
0: I'm, that question. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it that I'm supposed to? Be doing now, reading now, looking at now, being yes. a part of now, because I know that's the meaningfulness and purposefulness mm-hmm. in yes. life.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think be, with that similarities of our stories, the purpose in it, right? Because, oh my gosh, if my life was just an accident randomly, then what? what's the point, right? What's the point of all <laughs> This and how it's happened and and the hardest parts right it's yeah. just so on that note just thinking of what you had asked me about my husband too is that when he did that uh, tree and I'm talking I don't know hundreds of hours probably and he had sheets of names and dates so that if you just walked up and looked at what he was writing you'd think okay you've lost your mind like none of this makes sense why do you have page after page of these scribbling things? <laughs> because he was so just wanting to figure this out for me, for us. And within a few weeks, and then again, even recently, he had a family member on the tree reach out. So there's a generation above me. So it would be my uncle's family maybe, but there's been some other children at that time that were adopted. So one of them reached out. Now he's grown, I think married with kids, and reached out saying, I noticed that there's this connection. And so my husband was able to send him the entire tree. Mm. And it just like, it gives me chills now thinking about it. Yeah. Going, honey, you don't know what that means. Like, I know know what it means for me. Mm. But that's amazing.
0: That really is. It is not every day that someone does that, <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. as we all well know, and the time and effort and and, and just how it's going to be, like, it's going to be for generations, like, so many mm-hmm. people. Like, I just can picture so many people benefiting from the work that he did.
1: hmm Right. I mean, that's even beyond if you're taking it further. Like, I haven't even thought that far. <laughs> I'm just... It is, it's overwhelming, but it's also, for most people, their experience has always been, they've always had, they've always been able to access or have this information. And so I think that's where there's also that educating. You don't know that lived experience, right? Nobody else knows your own story. Mm -hmm. And so even people that I mean I I was raised with so there's been different relationships that it's just confusing for me like for me to say the word sister it means 20 different things and I think for most people that have been with their biological family it means maybe one or two Mm mm-hmm so that's just one word. I think you and I could have conversation after conversation of, okay, let's talk about this one word. We could right. go an hour, right? Yeah, we could, you and I definitely mm-hmm.
0: could. And mm-hmm. I know uh, another thing you said earlier was what our lives, like how big it was before adoption. Cause I, um, I too was in foster care mm-hmm. for two years and, um, and I often think, and you know you and I've talked about it, I often think that two year old mm. yeah, that two years is pretty substantial, yes. yeah, yes, and so when you think about before adoption, what kind of comes up for you like have you have you kind of created or started a story about you prior to
1: adoption? Ooh. You're going to make me go there. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, there's so much when I think about two years. So my, my life, I've always been around kids. So whether they were family, I was the neighborhood babysitter. I just loved being around children. So much so that I studied psychology in college with the idea that I wanted to work with children, however that meant. I think ultimately it was more with my own children and the neighborhood kids. But no, even working in, I worked in our church with children. So I understood seeing so many kids, what you learn when, at what age and what stage. Mm -hmm. And at two, oh, so much. So much, yes. So much, you know, the sights, the smells, the names, your people. So, I mean, your language, your verbal, your you have a maturity that I think so many times when I was working with kids, I would tell my coworkers and I would say, my boss is two feet, three feet high. And if they're happy, I'm happy. Because it's amazing what we know and I think what, as adults, what we think kids know or should know or ought to know at the time. So I think it kind of takes us back to that, that phrase, what's best for the child.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The generation that I come from, I would question that. Was everyone involved in my own adoption? Was I the priority? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not, maybe it was both, maybe, like all these things, right? You can just start going of the culture and the time, the generation, what was happening. And I think that does help to know it's given me empathy and sympathy for my biological parents. They were 19 and 20, they weren't married. So I do have empathy for that. Was it the best interest of me? I don't know. I'm still coming to terms with Mm -hmm. what that means for me and what that has meant throughout my life. And part of that is that I don't have information. I still don't have access to the information. So it would be nice to know from two and a half you know, and younger from when I was born, I'd like more information if I could have it. Yes, but I'm in California, and we're a closed record state so i'm I'm hopeful seeing I think there's ten that are open now that we can come into modern times. I feel like come back in time, come to California. I don't know, but we'll get there. I think we'll get there, and i that's why I put myself in these spaces of conversations that I get hope from mm-hmm. Because I think all those stories, and it all matters. It all adds up. And I think people find their voice in that. You got me and introvert to come and talk to you (laughs) like people that know me it's a miracle
0: (laughs) (laughs) well you know one thing like we were talking earlier um, before the recording is I know I'm an introvert right Mm -hmm. and I think maybe that was the part in you that said well she's like me so it should be all right because I clearly am an introvert I'm not shy and Mm. I, I definitely enjoy people and going out I'm not a hermit
1: but I right. know I'm
0: an introvert. Um, I pick, I, things stimulate me all around. And I know sometimes I have to just, as you said earlier, exit. I need to exit because I feel myself yes. being overwhelmed. Um, yes. And I own that today. I totally own it. And and so, yeah, I think you said, okay, she might be all right. She was
1: a detective. She was a detective. Yeah, she's smart. She's (laughs) Yeah, all these things that you were introduced to me, right? Like you said, in 2018. So there was a reason for that. Yes, it really was. was, And
0: mm -hmm. how it all kind of came together is just fascinating to me.
1: Um, Well, we never should have met, right? Yeah, we never we probably wouldn't have met until maybe now recently just because of virtual. Right. But even in that, because you were, were you living in Chicago at that time? So I was in,
0: in Nashville. Okay. And and yeah, not really doing a whole lot of traveling that year. In fact, I think that was, I may have gone to Chicago, but uh, yeah, I, I made it my business to put that trip on my plans and really wasn't sure who I would meet. But I think right. what, yeah, was fascinating about, how things have come together, I should say, uh, between you and I, it, it feels like it was little by little. Like it it was like, uh-huh. yeah, like it was like, okay, here's a snapshot here. And here's another snapshot. Because when you uh-huh. join Adoptee Voices, uh, mm, yes, you know, mm. I was like, there
1: she is again. <laughs> you know, and the, like, you can't get rid of us, right? We just keep showing up. But the thing about it is, because I do, I
0: pick up, I hear people, I'm paying attention, paying, paying close attention most of the time, because that's just how I'm building. Yes, yes. And, and when you would speak, and when I would watch you, because, you know, you say, I don't really like getting on camera, but I'll get on camera, you know. And when I would see you, I was like, it's something about Tina. You know, and uh-huh. so by now with Adaptive Voices, I'm putting all the pieces together, you know. Uh-huh. And I'm I'm looking at it from this lens. I love San Francisco. So it's not uh-huh. like, yeah, I went to I'm trying to think of some place that's just okay. But it wasn't like I just went anywhere. Like San Francisco yeah. means so much to me. I've only been twice. But it's almost uh, like if I was uh, in a previous life, I must have lived there or something. I just wow. connected with it the first time I went. So that you have that piece and then you have yeah. the Zoom piece and, and then the questions that you ask. Because I've seen you on other Zooms, not just the presentation I gave. Mm-hmm. And your questions are so... I'm like, man, yeah. That's what I would would want to say if uh, I could string my words together oh, in time. You, you know, that.
1: yeah. Oh my goodness, you you ask really good well. Questions. I have question regret. Like I, in my own mind, I'm thinking somebody asked this because I want to know. <laughs> I to know, and I was like that in school because I would not raise my hand, and then when someone else would ask the question, I was like, "Phew." Me too, I would do that
0: Do that all the time. Yeah, yeah.
1: But I would, I would have it in my head. What I want, I want to, but I don't know if I should. So much going on. Well, when you talk about San Francisco too, I was born there, right? So that is, I mean, where we're born is such a, people always ask that. Where were you born? And have fun, the people that were at that conference, or actually it was just a small little writing group, maybe eight, eight people, six. Mm Mm-hmm. And outside the window, I can hear the city, right? You can hear the cars, the horn. And it was such a strange experience for me because I really did go on a whim. I was communicating with and saying, is there room? Where is it? Or Maybe I can come. I'm not sure. And my husband's like, we'll go. I'll drive you. It's okay. Like, we can go if you want to go, if you decide to go. Man. So I I so it was kind of spontaneous. I really didn't tell myself that I was going and it was almost like let's go, let's do it, right? Let's, That's interesting. Let's go for it. I never knew so that. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sitting in the room on the floor and I was almost I couldn't even like even now I'm at a loss for words because I'm hearing the sounds and I've heard people say that in their stories or when they're retelling how Come back to ourselves, and I could not get it out of my system that I was born in this city. Like, what am I doing here right now? And that thread of writing, write about it, you know, start to it's okay. And literally, I'm sitting on the floor. There was it was in the hotel room, so there was the two beds and maybe a chair or two. So some of us were sitting, you know, kind of spread out when Haley and I were sitting closest to the door, <laughs> I thought it's so telling, right? <laughs> like, if I, if I need to get up and get out of here, right, I'm the closest <laughs> to the door. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> so, and sitting on the floor, just being comfortable, yeah, with that. I mean, it's totally fine. I, it's, I'm on the floor, it's a comfortable place. If you're if you work with kids, right, it's all it all goes together. And yes, that day was was really special to me and that my husband came and supported me and sat and talked with, you know, the people at the table. So we went out to lunch afterwards. So I think that, yeah, that's just an example of if when you just say yes, even if you're scared to death, that's
0: a perfect (laughs) example because you know, I didn't go to the class. I purposely wanted to, to, to be in that environment that we were in Mm-hmm. Um, just to be so completely social. I just remember saying, I want to just be there for, you know, some kind of time
1: together. Um, yes. Like, like, we and did. so special. Yeah. I don't think I had been with other adopt that many adoptees. I mean, it's just crazy. That was the other thing too, is in the room, listening to them talk. And I think uh, them, asking me questions. I almost felt like I just want to listen. Like, I just want to be here and listen <laughs> to you guys talk because this is crazy to me right now. I go to a local support group. I started that about four years ago when I was doing my DNA testing and getting in the connections. but it's really small. So I would say at the most we've had maybe eight, but it's, it tends to be about four or maybe five. That was the most people I had been with that are speaking their truth and just you don't have to explain there's just so much to it that I thought wow this is how people probably live their lives every day like you can just be you mm-hmm. and I felt like I was me but not completely able to be in certain situations
0: mm-hmm.
1: that sounds really cryptic but I think you know what I'm talking about I do about. know I do yes know. yeah and yeah, I and you're I'm... not always safe to say what you what comes to mind, I think. I think we censor ourselves many times, and I think it's I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you're making me think of the the question, what guidance do you have for adoptees new to the community? Oh,
1: don't swim alone. <laughs> I think it's mm-hmm. whatever whatever that you've heard. Yes. So when I think back four years ago, I mean, I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. It really shook me. It was this life quake. And, you know, I say this and I don't even know people listening what you're going to think like I've had this wonderful, happy life. <laughs> I mean, adoption has not defined me. Mm-hmm. It's been a part of me, but I've had many other relationships, experiences that I would say, you could say have nothing to do with adoption, but have everything to do with it because I am adopt- I was adopted. Mm-hmm. So it, there, it, there is a, that thread. For me, it was really reading, listening to podcasts or listening to books. If you feel that you're just not able to focus and read. Finding those groups, so I, I looked online and found this local, We here it's called Pacer and Triad, so they have an adoptee group that meet once, once a, meets once a month, and a triad group, which now I think is more referred to as a constellation for adoptive, adoptee, <laughs> I'm forgetting, anyway, anybody who wants to come or a support person right. that you're connected to the adoption, birth mother. So... That that was helpful. But even in that, I was finding like once a month was not enough. I was also making these biological connections. So I was meeting people, meeting my first connections were a first cousin on my biological father sign, which is crazy because most people start with their biological mother, uh, have that connection and go and maybe later the biological father side, if, you know, that takes time. And my first connection was a first cousin on my biological father's side. And that whole part of that and him is another hour. But
2: <laughs> it ha-
1: it's been so wonderful because he ha- we still are like we're cousins mm-hmm. and we have met each other's families and I've been able to experience life with him this last four years, as well as a year later to the date I met a cousin on my biological mother's side. And I should say in that last four years, I'm getting off of you, your question, but I'll come back to it, is that we've had life and death. So my I lost our family, lost a close really close aunt uh, the same week I was meeting my cousin the following year to the day to the week. I'm sorry, the following year to the week, my adoptive mother died as I was meeting this other cousin. So it it was a lot. It was just a lot for for everyone who knew me it, it just was this season of i need i i need help i just need help mm-hmm. and so i think that speaks to your question of really being honest with yourself what you need as an and as adoptees we have trouble not so much asking for help but no maybe asking for help i would say asking for help i don't want to inconvenience anyone i don't want to hurt anyone if my start my story is painful for you right because that's not always about what I'm telling you it's about how it's making you feel and all of that I feel that when I'm talking about my story I don't want to make this harder for you Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and we're now we're entering spaces biologically where all the stuff is coming up from these other perspectives from the cousin from the aunt from you know the biological parents that they're still living and it's it's not easy and I think even as prepared as I thought I was there was so much that came up that I didn't see coming. Mm -hmm. And some of it was beautiful and like more that I could ask or imagine like, this is wow. And other things that I still am working through, you know, this whole, I don't even like the term, but coming out of the fog, I'm really trying to come to grips with what does that mean? And I think my most recent definition for myself has been, I think up until now, my heartbreak in these spaces was for other people. And I wasn't allowing myself my own heartbreak. Mm. Like I was, I was with your story with you and really not able to look at, okay, you really got to look and see how this has affected you and be honest about it. And we'll do it slowly. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And so those relationships that I've made and not made, because I do have people that don't want to meet me or that have cut me off. And then other people that are saying, I'm patient, I'll wait, I'm here, for family.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's all of it. It's all of and it, yeah. It's all of it. So if you can find your you know, people, person, spaces where you can have these conversations and unapologetically, right? Say, mm-hmm. this is what's going on with me and what do you think about it? Or how can I navigate this? Or even not even have feedback, just say, I just need to say this. We don't talk about loss as a society very well. I feel like we don't do it very well with people that we know and love. And so people that we don't get to meet and know, it's almost like it doesn't happen. Mm. And so so for me to look at that and say, you know, that's not healthy for me not to recognize it and value it and it mattered. So how can I honor, right? How can I honor the way I'm feeling? And have it be whether it's personal or public or you know, I definitely tell like my we talk my talk to my husband about it or in these groups. Uh, and then also I do have compassion with my husband because he could he he needs a break too. You know, this is overwhelming for him. And so it is helpful to have other people, places, ways to navigate and people talk about adoption competent competent therapists i mean there's there's so many things out there available now that i would hope and encourage find what helps you and don't stop looking for it or seeking it especially after the year and a half that we've had isolation is the enemy we need each other we need community we need to be together even if we can't, if we don't agree, it's okay.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, and a lot of things we won't agree, but understanding and agreeing are two different things. And
1: mm-hmm. and I'm
0: always seeking to understand and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, what I really want is, is connection. So I totally agree when, when it comes to choosing connection, Over isolation, yeah, connection is the Mm -hmm. way to go. And I'm interested in information. I'm interested in the Mm -hmm. truth. Mm -hmm. So,
1: and even the hard truth, I think that's part of why there could be the discussion of what to say, when to say, how to say it. And so, communicating that is, you know, for me, I want to know if it's something about me or my loved one I really would like to know even if it's hard for you to tell me is I think especially the hard
0: truths I I totally see it that way and I know I have talked with adoptees who have had to come to grips with some really hard truths yes and and from those conversations I've 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 said you know those obviously it's painful uh, yeah. but there's this opportunity to to be better, to, to you yeah, know, just to be better, and and so in that it's a, it's good.
1: Well, in the release of the secret, you know, I think there's it can be healing, and I think that's part of just having conversations with my family about no one's looking for me. I remember talking to my brother-in-law, and the question coming back from him and from a half brother that I meet later on: "What do you want? What mm-hmm. do you want?" And me just going, Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. What do yeah. I want? And I can ask myself that it's okay. Right. It's okay. Yeah. Even if I say, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think through
0: my reunion, I remember asking that question many times, what do I want?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: Even searching because I, I, I remember if I'm completely honest with myself, I remember my dad died in '91, and then my mom died in 02, and and it's like I don't have any parents anymore. Like I remember mm-hmm. thinking that and thinking, well, if I am in reunion, I'll have parents again. Like I remember mm-hmm. that thought, and um, among other thoughts, but yeah. that was definitely a thought. So here I am, really kind of t- saying, okay, I want to not have the losses, you know, I, I want to yeah. have, you know, things like that. I'm, And then, fast forward to reunion, I'm like, well, what do you want? Mm-hmm. You know, because both, both parents were deceased many years, my birth parents, before I even searched. So I realized, okay, whatever I was thinking back when, that doesn't apply. I'm not going to have them, right. Right? right? So now it's like, well, what do you want? And so now it's yeah. like, well, I want... Relationship with my brother uh-huh. and, and my aunts yeah. and the cousins. And then, yeah, I just kept asking, yes. what do you want? And it kept well, shifting.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's the shifting towards what's possible. Yes. Exactly. And I think we do need to recognize whatever the loss or the roadblock is because there's emotions surrounding that that I feel like at times has derailed me for whether it's an hour or a day or a week of, gosh, this still does not feel great. Like this is not a good feeling. Right. But then also not allowing that to interfere or come in, in front of, you know, I had this one cousin who was super persistent which was awesome, because I needed that. Like, I'm not going anywhere. Right. I'm still here. And yeah. I thought, but this is so hard for me. Like, you should just, like, yeah, it's okay. Like, if you can't, if, if this can't be, because I can't get a grip. Or I just need time, or I need this. And I la- I laugh because I think of, like, we've been able to come full circle and laugh about it. And even kind of, I would I wouldn't say fight about it, but have disagreements. Now we're family, right? We're past the point of who are you to me and what do you, what do you want? What do you need? What happened? And he has been able to say, you're my cousin. That's it. Mm -hmm. Like end of story. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as you realize that, right. And I'm like, wow, (laughs) like that's someone telling me, okay, I need to really, I need to do the work so that I'm ready for what's next. That has been evident over and over again. With What am I communicating? Am I communicating that I'm all in or that I don't want you in my life? Because I think those first connections are so fragile, how you're coming in, whether it's via a cousin or whether you're actually connected with the birth mom right away. It is really fragile territory. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: and people have said, you know, it, it didn't go well and it took us a while to get, you know, or we're no longer. To every person's connection, there's a different story. There's no one size fits all. Right. So for me, I keep coming back to what am I communicating? How am I, you know, am I open to it? Am I communicating that I'm open to it? As an example, my cousin, he said, you know, can we talk about something? <laughs> I was like, what? He says, well, when we get off the phone, I feel like you hang up on me. I go, what do you mean? Because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that's so rude. <laughs> Why, what do you mean? Right. And he says, well, I'm telling you, I love you. And then I hear click. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, my gosh, I am doing that. <laughs> and I said, you know, that whole I love you. Yeah. It's so special. It means everything to me. But I think in that moment, the goodbye is so hard. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say goodbye to you. Right. And so he said, so what can we say? So we were having a conversation of how can we both get there because we both want the relationship. But I just thought that was so funny that he's saying, "I say, you know, I, I love you," and you hit, Right,
2: right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I I could see myself doing that, like I, and he like, oh yeah, yeah. But but if he didn't bring it to my attention, he could have said, "Man, she's rude. Like she doesn't want this relationship. Like I don't know what's I don't understand." Right, he would have been justified having that uh, reaction, and so he he brought it to my attention. Yeah, <laughs> and know, I, I was think like, that, "Oh my god!" That
0: that says so much about him to to bring mm-hmm. it to bring it to feel like, yeah, this is a conversation I'm going to have with her, and that's really wonderful. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's part of it's all part of the process, mm-hmm. and and I think meeting. I have an aunt, so his mother, like we've we've been able to have conversations of even if I say it wrong, you know, can we extend each other grace Mm -hmm. in the moment? Because we are going to make mistakes. I'm going to say something that I wish I didn't say or didn't mean it to sound like that. But I want you to know, you know, I'm in, I, I want to know you. I want you to know me. I want you to know my family. So, but it's confusing. There's so many layers. I've had people in my family life that haven't extended me the grace. So now I have someone that's biologically related to me that's saying they will, They'll. you know, it's almost like I still have this, uh, you know, it's that, it's that detective that I think you and I both share. And I think a lot of adoptees, you know, we're raised taking everything in. You say this, but you do that, right? Mm-hmm. This is my family, but they don't look like me, right? right? right. So this is, this is the way it's said. But the really living it out is confusing to me because I see this, it doesn't add up or there's a confusion. So that's ongoing. So knowing me is exhausting. (laughs) I think I've established that. I think I've established that. (laughs) So pray for my husband, pray for my children who I've told them when your memoir comes out, (laughs) you're free to say whatever you want because there's that whole other being raised by, right? They didn't know, I didn't ask to be adopted. They didn't ask to be raised by someone that was adopted. And you
0: know, we, I, I do hope you'll come back and have a, another conversation. Cause there are some, quite a few things that I want us to talk about. Um, mm. And one of them is parenting as an adoptee. Oh boy. Yeah. Isn't that a big conversation? Like, well, I-, I feel
1: like that's an interview for our kids. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what that's like. Yeah. Being the parent of being the spouse or significant other of, right? I think there's all these other uh, relationships that, you know, I'm not, I wasn't just the child of my biological parents, right? There was aunts and uncles and cousins, an extended family that whether they knew about it or not, were affected by
0: adoption. I was recently thinking about what is it likely to have been my story if I hadn't been adopted Ooh. yeah I've been unpacking that uh, I would say pretty much the end of last year up until now I still am oh. that, that person that remained with her biological family and and how different would she be and I'm I'm pretty convinced she would have been very different um, yeah you know yeah. And so that whole conversation about parenting as an adoptee, I think I was a very nervous parent. Um, Oh, yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. I know the whole parenting as an adoptee is another full conversation. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) But I, uh, I know, I hope you'll come back and be on and we'll, we'll talk more. Wow. I sure. If you ask me, I will come. So glad we got to talk a little bit about the subject of, before we were adopted. And actually, I really wow. want to talk more about that because when we've talked uh-huh. before, it's it's just fascinating to me. Uh, when I think about it, as I've told you, I get activated. There are feelings that are mm-hmm. activated in me even to this day around two-year-olds. Um, yeah. Yeah. Know, so we're going to explore that a little more. So I guess in closing, is there anything... before you, I want you to read another poem... But in closing, is there anything I didn't ask you that you want listeners to know,
1: adoptees specifically? Most of all, just to ask for help and don't go through reunion or just even starting that process by yourself. Find a trusted friend or someone that you can talk to or a therapist. It's really a lot to navigate. And I feel like for me, even though I feel like I'm a grounded, healthy I have faith and I just you just can't do it alone. I couldn't do it alone. I still can't do it alone. So find your people. Yes. Well, thank you
0: so much for having this conversation with me today. Thank you. <laughs> it's been great. We have such a good time and
1: I feel like we do. I have so many questions too. No. <laughs>
0: well, maybe maybe the next time we'll just you'll ask me a bunch of questions and I'll just be vulnerable.
1: And, Ooh, and yeah, okay.
0: I'm willing to do that. I haven't done that before okay. on the show, but <laughs> I, I do that <laughs> for you. So I know you're going to um, share um, as a writer your
1: poem. Yes. So thank you for that. I do want to acknowledge that the reason I started writing was because years ago, our friends lost their son very unexpectedly to leukemia. And so because of Kyle, I I started writing and I found that it is a way to honor when you're broken, when you're excited, everything in between that the life that we have is not always well, it's not about us. There's a purpose and plan that we can't explain. And so That has led me to the Adoptee's Writers Group, and this was actually even prior to that. But this is called Help, and I'm going to read this, and I just want to thank you again, Jennifer. Thank you. Help me. I can't stop writing. If letters are tears, I would be crying. When life doesn't make sense, what do you do? Walk, swim, run, hike, open road, car, or bike? Help. I can't stop writing. If words are bricks, I would be paving. Blessed to be a part of your journey. If you reach the end, come find me. Can we heal together what the world has pulled apart? Help me. I can't stop writing. If words become fifth, for you, I'll keep fighting.
0: Beautiful, Tina. So beautiful. Thank you again.
1: Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk soon.
0: I want to first give a shout out to Tina's husband for his support of her and their family in creating a lineage tree. When I think of the time and effort he put into such a project, it fills me with joy. One of the most thought-provoking things that Tina shared for a future conversation is fully discussing the time before adoption. I've heard it mentioned in circles many times, yet it's often brushed over. In other words, what if adoptees pose the question to a non-adopted person? What part of your story or journey toward the beginning of your life would you choose to not know? Are you willing to forego knowledge about the first few days, several weeks, first six months, or two to three years after your birth? Is all of it or just some of it of importance to you? One word that comes to mind when I think of crossing paths with Tina is the many clues that appear in my life. It seems to me that one after another, they showed up in both of our lives for purpose and meaning. When I go back over the time from first meeting her, as she stated in subject and not verbatim, everyone and everything one by one Brings us to where we find ourselves in the present day. Like the quote I like so much by Rumi everything we are seeking is seeking us. Like Tina, I too often ask myself, what should I be reading or doing right now? What am I supposed to be a part of right now? Or whose company should I be in for purpose? I believe the answer lies in the clues. Many adoptees are seeking information, connection, and truth. That is often best accomplished by reading adoption materials, adoptee memoirs, attending virtual meetings, and being connected to the community in several other ways. Like sponges, Tina and I stay engaged with others to better understand our personal story of relinquishment, adoption, and reunion. Thank you, Tina, for having this conversation with me and willing to share it with others. It will be continued, for sure, in the hopes that at least one other adoptee comes to understand the healing power in being seen by us and allowing others to see us as sharing a part of our identity that never goes away, being an adopted person. Remember to always look at the show notes of each episode for more information about our guest. If you like Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow and or give a five-star rating so others can find it too. During the course of your day, I hope you will tell at least one friend or someone who you believe might find value in it because word of mouth is the best way for me to grow the show. Remember to share this podcast on social media to spread the word. Hashtag Land. Thank you for being here.